Okay, so Bill English is back. You can check out what uh, he's working on at BibleandBusiness.com. Bill, um, uh, we have a second listener who said, I do keep a journal next to my computer um, slash radio. As I listen to the show, I often jot down some notes. And now I'm hyperventilating. I mean, me. This is Carmen. Now I'm hyperventilating because now two people are taking notes while we're talking. (laughs) Okay. So um, Mm. as a follow-up to last week's conversation about getting my email under control. Yes. um, I am apparently subscribed to more than 100 things that come in every day. Well, congratulations. So just the process of unsubscribing, I'm thinking, how much does it cost me to hire somebody to unsubscribe me? You know what? Because it's going to take a whole day. No, it won't. It'll it'll literally take about an hour, hour and a half. That's it. Okay. You can do it. I have faith in you. I clearly need to. I don't even know what half these things are. Well, that's the point because, you know, they tell you that they don't share your email address. Clearly. Clearly they do. (laughs) Clearly they do. (laughs) Okay. New topic for today. Yeah. By, okay, the way, the pre- by the way, by the way, I'm down to 42 emails in my inbox. Ugh. I know. I'm going to send you 50 just to <laughs> just to balance this thing She's out a little flood better. My inbox. I'm totally flooding it. your inbox. Spam him. Spam yeah. him. Because I'm I tell to- you. <laughs> feeling so convicted now. Okay, so um, oh. we get questions all the time, um, just about hey, could you just explain some basics related to sure. right? So sure. some basics related to, and today we're going to just talk about some. Economic things, in part because there's this event going on in Davos, Switzerland. And so we are going to see or hear some economic conversation. But there's a lot of economic conversation out there. We've got conversations about uh, conversations about trade deal with China or the new trade deal with Mexico and um, uh, and Canada. We've got all kinds of conversations for most of us, Bill, the macroeconomic conversations that happen in the news are ultimately less interesting to us than the microeconomic conversations about our own household. But the macro affects the micro. It does. And and so that's why we're having this conversation. And so you can just lead us off. Um, when we talk about something as big or wide as monetary policy, well, monetary sounds to me like money. It so does. when we talk about monetary policy, what are we talking about? We're talking about money policy. Let me really simplify this. Money policy is set by the Federal Reserve, which is an independent uh, organization that is not under political control, although the president does appoint uh, who the Federal Reserve chairman is and or chairwoman is. And the Federal Reserve uh, works with the banks to uh, control basically two things, the interest rates that we pay when we borrow money and the amount of money that is in the economy. That's basically what they – now they do other things. They do a lot of studies and and they do a lot of other things. But it's basically um, monetary policy concerns itself with how much money is in the economy and what are we charging for interest rates. Okay, okay so I know, but now I'm going to ask like a can I ask like a kindergarten question? Sure. So if we're going to take money out of the economy, are we hiding it somewhere? Like, are we? Is this? Is this? What when we take money out of the economy? What What does that mean? That means that we're trying to decrease the amount of money in the economy because the Fed thinks there's too much money in the economy. Now this is tied to a very basic principle, which is. Uh, which is this, the more you have of something in the economy and while demand stays the same for that something, the less valuable each of those somethings are, 
I, I didn't say that very well. No, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Water, I don't have to pay as much for water in places where water is really abundant. But right. if I live in Arizona, I pay more for water than I do in Tennessee. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. No, I get and, that. And so the more money that is in the economy, if there isn't increased demand for that money, and demand is expressed by people borrowing it to buy trucks, homes, invest in businesses, that kind of thing, then then the less valuable each dollar is. Okay. So if they want to make sure that they are not over overly devaluing the dollar, then they pull money out of the economy. Okay. So again, because there are kindergartners listening because people are driving around and they got kindergartners in the car. And the kindergartner is saying right now, a dollar is worth a dollar bill. A, a dollar? bill, a dollar bill is worth a dollar. So <laughs> explain to me, Bill, yes, about how the dollar bill yes. has greater or lesser value. Because now we're talking about it competing with other things, right? It has, it has value in the sense of what, it's, what it can purchase. So it's purchasing power. So what a dollar buys today probably will not be what a dollar buys tomorrow. Do you remember, go go back a ways, because you and I are roughly the same age. Uh, go back into our 20s when McDonald's had that commercial on the air where you could get a hamburger, a small Coke, and a small French fry for 99 cents. Do you remember that? Yes, or when gas was 99 cents. I remember when gas was a, a dollar a gallon, right? Yeah. Today... It now takes, give or take, $2.50 to buy that same gallon of gas, which means that over the last 30 years, the purchasing power of the dollar has steadily declined. So it's really, yeah, a dollar is a dollar. I get that. But the purchasing power of the dollar is what's really at stake when we talk about its value. And so what, what can a dollar buy? And that's where you, that's where you get that concept. Okay. So Bill English and I are talking about monetary policy, but really we're talking about money and the money in your pocket and how far it's going to go. And so when we talk about the money in our pocket, um, when it runs out, then I have to borrow money from somebody. Um, So when we talk about uh, a little bit of of that when we come back and we talk about like, because some of monetary policy is about borrowing money, right? It is, and then that, okay. and then that bleeds into fiscal policy, which will contrast with monetary policy. Yes, and fiscal is not physical. So no. there you go. We're going to make that distinction here in just a moment. We are having a very basic conversation um, and a little bit of fun doing it with Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com, and we are going to continue it in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and we'll be right back. It's like the Okay, so I am talking this morning with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com, and we are overcoming the curse of knowledge. So the curse of knowledge, Bill, I know that you didn't know we were going to talk about the curse of knowledge. I didn't know you were going to come out with that. But you suffer from the curse of knowledge, and sometimes I do as well. And the curse of knowledge is that we tend to use terms and terminology that we're comfortable with, but frankly... Other people in the conversation would very much like to stop us and ask the question, what are you talking about? I don't know what that word means or that word gets thrown around a lot. And I, you know, I think I know what that means, but I'm not really sure. Or maybe the meaning of that word has changed over time. So we are having we're we're trying to have a basic conversation um, about fiscal, F-I-S-C-A-L, fiscal or fiscal policy, fiscal things, right? Things that have to do with money. And so. Um, hopefully we are, uh, we are 
Hopefully we're doing it in such a way that people's eyes are not glazing over. You sent me a note that said monetary policy when I suggested we talk about this or Paul did. Monetary policy is about as exciting as watching paint dry. And so um, we do not want people to glaze over. We want them to be engaged. So tell us what fiscal policy is. Fiscal policy is really all about how the government spends the money and how they tax economic activities in the marketplace. That's really what it's about. Okay. okay, so so when so, I think so, about taxes, yeah, when okay. I just I'm just gonna I'm I'm the curse of knowledge, right? Okay, right. so I'm gonna say when I think about taxes, I think about the taxes that I pay um, in property taxes. I think about the taxes that I pay for gas. I'm pretty aware of that. Um, I'm um, I think about the taxes that I pay to the federal government, that which is taken out of my paycheck um, every pay period. Um, and then I think about taxes this time of year because I need to be accumulating all of those, all of that information in order that I can file my taxes. Correct. So, but there's more going on in terms of taxation than that. Like companies that I am buying products from are also being taxed. Uh, yes, and and so is all kinds of economic activities from private inve- private equity that invests in businesses to nonprofits who uh, can. Uh, engage in economic activities without paying taxes. There's all kinds of things that the government is uh, is going to have an influence on. So the federal government basically sets fiscal policy. The Federal Reserve sets monetary policy. Now, just to review, monetary policy uh, concerns itself with how much money is in the economy and the interest rates that are charged uh, by the banks. The and that's a very much overgeneralization. For those who know monetary policy, you know I said what I said was technically inaccurate, pragmatically accurate. The fiscal policy refers to the to how the government spends the money that it gets and how it taxes to get money into itself so that it can spend money. That's just very basic. Okay, yeah. no, it's super helpful. All right, so um, let's talk about some of those big numbers. Okay. So uh, as of August 2007, we're talking about the Federal Reserve now, there was $856 million in our economy. By the time we hit January of 2015, there's $4.5 trillion in the economy. Okay, so how do we go? Did we print that many more dollar bills from $856 million to $4.5 trillion, Or are we talking about every time the money moves around, the economy grows? Like, is the money, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not based on how much it moves around. It's really okay. based on the supply of money. And there's there's different ways to measure that. Um, but the way that the federal the way the Federal Reserve gets money into the economy is that they work with the banks and they have the banks buy uh treasuries and in the banks buy those treasuries, that money goes back to the um uh, federal government. And for fiscal, for use in fiscal policy, and then the banks resell that money, and I shouldn't say resell, they reloan it out because they only have to keep a tenth of it on on the books, and there's all kinds of ratios they got to work with there. Uh, but that's how that's how money gets into the economy. They're not physically printing dollars because it's all electronic now. Okay, so that's the part that scares me a little bit that they're not actually like there's not they're not printing dollars that that move us from. 856 million to 4.5 trillion in the matter of eight years. They're just adding money on the books. Yes. And that does that one. not freak anybody out but me? Because that seems a little fishy. Well, when, when Obama came into office, there was $10 trillion of 
national debt. Today, there's 23. So between Obama and Trump, both of whom are big, big spenders, uh, we have accumulated another $13 trillion in, in give or take 11, 12 years, maybe somewhere in there. And so um, both presidents and both parties, this is neither party is, is guiltless here. Everybody in Washington is responsible for this debacle. And um, the, and then when there are negative effects from their bad fiscal policies, everybody expects the Federal Reserve to fix it through monetary policy. And the Federal Reserve has done what it can. When we have our next recession, the Federal Reserve is going to have very few tools to work with here. And I, I, I'm going to lose everybody if I start going into that. But no, I think we should – what you and I should do is we should personalize it and we should talk about – what we as Christians um, need to do. Yeah, uh, great. Let's first thing we need to do as Christians is get out of debt as much as possible, especially credit card debt and consumer debt. If you have an asset against which the debt is placed, you're in a better position. Uh, but just get out of as much unsecured consumer debt as possible. And then try to save some money so that you can go a few months uh, without any income should you lose your job or should uh, the economy worsen to the point where your employer goes bankrupt or something like that. Or milk costs $6 a gallon. Yeah, because uh, eventually inflation is going to hit in this economy. We can't keep it where it is forever uh, at less than 2%. It is going to start to hit us. And there's some other things that we could talk about on another show that would feed into that. All right. So we're going to get out of debt as much as possible, and then we're going to save enough money to cover our own expenses for a few months. Um, But then I really like this other point that you've made, which is about our planning to care for others. There is the next recession. I think everybody is pretty much in agreement is going to be even worse than the one in 2008. And uh, when that happens, there's going to be copious, enormous opportunities for the church to minister to those who have significant economic downturns in their lives. And But we can only do that if we're operating from a position of strength. If our membership is weighted down with debt, then our, then our churches are not going to be uh, effective or have a, a strength to minister to others. So it just seems to me that churches ought to be talking about this and ought to be encouraging their people to get out of debt, save some money so that we can minister to other people down the road. Okay, and this seems also to be a good a good conversation that everybody could have with their local congregation. If your congregation itself is in debt, like right, we gotta we gotta reverse that as well. Yeah. Um in order that we could be in a position as local congregations to minister to others, um uh in addition to our being ready to do it um as individuals, neighbors, and friends. All right, Bill, you and I have to leave it right there. See, I told you we could talk about monetary and fiscal policy, (laughs) and we could personalize it, and we could make it fun. So there you go. There you go. We've achieved the goal of the day. Way to go. You guys can can get more um, good insight and information and engage with Bill at BibleAndBusiness.com. We'll be right back.